0: Welcome to the Savvy Sauce, where we have practical chats for intentional living. I'm your host, Laura Duggar, and I'm so glad you're here. Lehman Property Management Company has the apartment you will be able to call home with over 1,600 apartment units available in central Illinois. Visit them today at MidwestShelters.com or visit them on Facebook. Susan C. is a returning guest today. You know from our previous conversation that she's an author, podcaster, and well-known speaker. And today, she's going to share very practical parenting tips from over 20 years of experience. You're going to hear how scripture impacted the way she and her husband parented their children and learn how to set healthy boundaries if you're caring for aging parents. Here's our chat. Welcome back to the Savvy Sauce, Susan. It's so good to be here again. Can you catch us up and just share a snapshot of your life?
1: Absolutely. I'm Susan C. I live in Austin, Texas, with my college sweetheart. He and I have been married for 24 years. We have seven children, one boy, six girls, and they range in age from
0: 22 to nine. You have your own podcast. And on that, you've spoken before about martyrdom, how we can bring that on ourselves as moms. And I just love how you challenge mamas to stop doing everything for their family and start doing everything with their family. So can you just sell us more on that idea?
1: Yes. I have just found that it's so easy for us to take on the responsibilities and the needs of our household onto ourselves. And what ends up happening over time is we have taught our families that that's what we'll do and what to expect of us. And they just continue to lean in on that. So, hey, mom has always handled this. Mom takes care of this. So instead of looking for things or getting engaged or helping out, everybody just kind of looks to mom to have all the answers and to do all the things. And it's just simply not practical, nor is it sustainable. Because what ends up happening is when they're old enough to actually be really helpful and contributing, we take note of the fact that they're not And we're frustrated and we're irritated that nobody else can see this mess and nobody else can help out. Is nobody else noticing that this needs to be done. But really, that's the message we've communicated simply because we've taken everything on ourselves. And I just want to encourage us that there are multiple opportunities every single day for us to engage with our children in the midst of the work that we need to do. And so many of us don't want to involve them because we recognize that they won't do it to the same standard we do. They won't do it in the same way we want it done. And it just won't be as efficient as we'd like it to be because we need to get stuff done. We need to get it done now. And to involve you guys kind of slows me down. But I just want to say, yes, it will do that. It will slow you down. It will make things not efficient. It will mean that it'll be messier and not as neat as you'd like maybe not as thorough as a, of a job as you would have done. However, what you are doing is involving your kids in your life, involving your kids in the needs of your family being met and helping them to feel like they are part of this work and infusing purpose in them so that they can develop skills, develop confidence, and be treated in the family as a dependable member Versus someone who's dependent upon everybody to take care
0: of them. That's really helpful. Are there any certain family logistics that have impacted your life in a meaningful way? Mm -hmm.
1: Okay, so one um, practical that I can give you is... Every single day, meals are going to need to be served, right? It's one of those things that is a challenge for me as a mom. Everybody is always hungry. Uh, I don't even know why I ask the question sometimes like, hey, who's hungry? Because everybody all the time. (laughs) So if you need to do meals anyway, I would pick one of the children and I would call them my sous chef. And a sous chef in a professional kitchen is the person who comes alongside the head chef and they make sure that the things are chopped or that they're laid out nearby the stove or wherever the chef is cooking so that they can easily reach over and get whatever they need to keep the cooking process going. And they're not off somewhere trying to find the ingredients that they need and thereby burning or ruining what they were already working on. So I will have one of my kids come in and be my sous chef. And that meant that they were responsible for pulling the things out of the fridge that I need and lining them up beside the stove, pulling out measuring cups, measuring spoons and making sure they're easily available. And then as they became better at that, then I would have them reach in and measure out the rice or measure out the flour They would begin to scoop out whatever I might need in a recipe and operate the can opener. You know, they just kept progressing as they showed their adeptness at each level. I would just give them more and more responsibility. So before you know it, I would say, "Okay, I'll cook. chicken and the vegetables, you cook the rice tonight. And then I could say, you cook the rice and the vegetables, I'll cook the chicken. And before long, it's you cook the dishes and I'll be your sous chef. And I am really working myself out of that particular meal. So anytime we're having chicken and rice, I could say, you know how you've been working with me and you know how to do that. And they're like, yeah, like, cool. Let me see you do it. And then they're off and they're happy to be in the kitchen creating this meal. Now, I use the word happy. And right there, some mamas fell off their chair. They were like, my kids are not happy to be involved in the kitchen. They're not, yay, I have to cook dinner tonight. Like, that's not the attitudes we have in our home. And I get that. Uh, What I'm referring to is not so much that they delight in the cooking of it, but there's something in them that feels like, I have a responsibility and my family is counting on me because we use that language in our home. But we refer to ourselves more as a team than a bunch of individuals doing life together. But we do it as a team where we depend on one another and we support one another. And I want them to recognize that when you're a part of a team, sometimes you're going to be in a position where the team is counting on you to get us on the next step of the journey. And if that looks like cooking dinner tonight, can we count on you? And from that place, they feel good about being trusted enough to be counted
0: on. Okay, that is a genius idea and progression. What age were your kids when you first invited them to be a sous chef? (laughs)
1: so okay i will tell you this and you know some women are gonna be like i don't know about that but when they were little and still in the high chair i would pull the high chair in the kitchen by me and I would be talking to them about what I'm doing. If I'm doing a frozen corn or something like that, I would put a little frozen corn on their high chair tray and I'd be talking to them about corn as I'm cooking corn. To so them when the corn is done, we're eating corn, we're talking about the corn that they've thrown on the floor and it's like all over the kitchen. So really engaging them as soon as possible. We would just take the kitty step stool up to the counter as long as they could stand there or not safely, that's when they would be invited to be a part of the whole kitchen process. They're not actually cooking, and other ways that they were involved is when we go grocery shopping, they would bring all the groceries in the house, so my job was to shop, like plan the meals, shop, and get the groceries to the driveway Once they were in the driveway, the kids went out and unloaded the car, brought everything in, and that's when they would learn things like. What goes in the fridge and what goes in the pantry? Where do we keep this? And how do we know when we need to get more? Like They've already been engaging with the food even before they were a part of preparing a meal.
0: These are great ideas. And another topic on your podcast that you address is just the importance of time spent together as a family, which is actually where the bonds of love are formed with another person. So I'm curious, what did that look like in your house of nine people?
1: So for anyone who may not have heard our last conversation, so our family is a homeschool family. We've been homeschooling for the past 18 years, but I don't think that homeschooling, if there's a family listening who doesn't homeschool, I don't want you to count out the time that you do have with your children and discount how important that is. All that I think it really highlights is how important it is to be intentional with the time we do have. So whether you're homeschool or public school or private school or your kids aren't old enough to be in school yet, like there's all these different places they could enter this conversation. For me, the baseline is this. It's impossible to love people you don't spend time with and that aren't on your mind and in your heart. It's just impossible to love them. And if I recognize that to be true, then I'm looking for all the opportunities I possibly can to spend time with my children or to show that they are on my mind and in my heart. And for us as a family, we did our best to have family meals regularly. We're in the season now of so many different schedules. We've got two college students in the home. One of our college students is away. She lives in New York City and she's going to school. But, you know, thank goodness for tools like FaceTime or calling on the phone or being able to text message back and forth with one another just to stay connected and to to keep each other on top of mind. But for those in the household, you know, when the kids were younger, it was important to me that we had family meals together, Um, using that family meal time, not just to feed the body, but to feed the soul, looking for times to have the conversations about, you know, what went well today and what didn't go well. Where are you struggling? What are you curious about? What can we be talking about? How can I pass on some life lessons? How can we share some wisdom? where are some stories about when I was your age that you know that, you know, it is true. Mom was not always an adult. You know, she was a little girl at some point. She too had a mother. She too went to school, like all of these things that you guys do. So family time looks like for us, family meals, family movies. I'm that mama that will watch a family movie. And if something happens in the movie, I'm grabbing the remote, and hitting pause. And I'm like, wait, Let's talk about that. Did you see how she looked at her mom? And did you see how she responded? Was she being honest? Was the mom being just? Was she really approaching this with a motivation of love? So all of those things kind of create this culture of communication, of relationship, of connection, and whether it's this focus time of like a family meal or family movie, or if it's just I'm in the kitchen making lemonade. Hey, grab one of the kids, come in, help me make this lemonade, let's do it together. Small moments, intentional moments, but all of it with this heart of us being connected and spending time together.
0: And now, what about time with your husband? How did you carve that out with such a full house?
1: (laughs) There are seasons where it looks different, and it really depends on the season we're in with our kids, because our kids tend to dictate so much of Like what we have left is kind of where it ends up. When the kids were little, you know, I was breastfeeding and I was up all hours of the night and then going for the day. He and I had this practice of doing couch time. So when he came in, we would have all the little ones in the living room where we could see them playing with some special toys that they got to play with at the end of the day. It was kind of a a signal of Baba's home. And Baba is what we call my husband that's father in Swahili. So when Baba's home, you get to play with these particular toys. So they're distracted with that. He and I would just sit on the couch for 15 minutes for us to share the highlights of the day, the most important things we need to say to each other, recognizing that if we have the resource of, you know, enough energy to talk later, we'll talk later on tonight. We don't try to get everything out, but at least we've given each other these best moments, you know, when he first gets home later on, we found that kids schedules with activities, it got a little bit more hectic and he and I had to be more intentional to stay in touch with one another and to stay connected. And in that season, it started to become this willingness to stay up later and later once the house settled down for us just to have time to talk, to maybe watch a movie together full confession here, I am someone who continually starts movies. I can't tell you how they end it because I don't usually make it to the end, but I at least start them. I, I have a great start. I just, I couldn't tell you anything else about the middle or the end. And then later, you know, as our kids are older and we have some old enough to stay home with the siblings, he and I can finally do the thing I've been hearing people talk about for years where they're talking about a date night. I cannot figure out, Going to get the babysitter, getting the babysitter here, like it was all too much for me to figure out when the kids were little. Not to mention my own concern about like who was watching our kids and concern for the safety of our kids. So now that we have siblings that are old enough to watch their brother and sister, then then we can go out. And we started out with going to a restaurant that's like five minutes from the house. And then we were able to go like 10 to 15 minutes from the house. And now we're at this point where we could just be gone. He and I could go. We love dancing together. So we could go dancing and then uh, grab a quick bite to eat and come back. And it's not a concern because our kids are in a season where we could do that.
0: Well, oh, that's helpful to hear all the different seasons that you adjusted accordingly. And now a brief message from our sponsor. With over 1,600 apartment units available throughout Pekin, Peoria, Peoria Heights, Morton, Washington, and Canton, and with every price range covered, you will have plenty of options when you rent through Lehman Property Management Company. They have townhomes, duplexes, studios, and garden style options located in many areas throughout Pekin. In Peoria, a historic downtown location and apartments adjacent to the OSF Medical Center provide excellent choices. Check out their brand new luxury property in Peoria Heights, overlooking the boutique shops and fine dining on Prospect. And in Morton, they offer a variety of apartment homes with garages, a hot downtown location, and now a brand new high-end complex near Idlewood Park. Their beautiful, spacious apartments with private garages in a quiet but convenient location await you in Washington. And if you're looking in Canton, don't miss Village Square Apartments. Lehman Property Management Company has a knowledgeable and helpful office staff and maintenance crew, including several employees with over 30 years working with this reputable company. Renters may be excited to learn about their flexible leases, pet-friendly locations, and even mini storage units that are available in some locations. So make sure you check them out on Facebook today or email their friendly staff at leasing at laymanprops.com. You can also stop by their website at midwestshelters.com. Check them out and find your place to call home today. There's something that I just find fascinating that I learned about you. And you've said that your favorite parenting books are the ones in the business section on management. Mm -hmm. So I love that. What are some examples of principles that you've applied from those books?
1: Yes. So let me share how I got there and then I'll share a few resources. So my husband and I, we're entrepreneurial. We have our own business. And in the midst of trying to grow that business, We recognized that there was so much that we didn't know. We didn't really know how to grow a team, how to hire employees, manage those employees, like all of the details that it takes for a business to be successful. So we were going to conferences and workshops and reading books in an effort to learn these things. And my husband noticed that in the midst of that time of learning for us, I was taking feverish notes. And he was like, wow, my wife is so into this. But what he didn't really understand was that I was so into it because light bulbs were going off in my head of how much information they were providing to the marketplace that also aligned with the needs of managing and running a family. And when I could see the parallels between the two, I felt like I was for the first time being enlightened with information on how to manage our home well. So I was taking those notes, not so much for the success of our business, but for the success of our family. And for me, my perspective is as women, if we were to go out in the marketplace and get a position as a manager in any field in any business and industry in the marketplace, one of the first things they would offer us is training. Yet here we are arguably managing the most fundamental organization within our society, which is the family. And we're doing it without training, without being equipped with tools to run and manage our families well. And I thought, We could so do things differently. And if I can have a role in being able to create that experience for moms and to share some of the tools that I've learned over the years with women, that is my delight and my pleasure and the things that get me up in the morning and keep me up at night is figuring out ways to really equip and resource other women with this perspective shift. Because, you know, businesses continually, year upon year, are investing millions and millions of dollars in trying to understand how to create a team, how to communicate a vision, how to align the actions they take in the business with the core values of the organization, and how to ensure that all of their team members understand each one of those and are also committed to seeing those things happen. And I figure if that ain't family, I don't know what, because I definitely feel like there's a vision that my husband and I have for our household. And we have core values in our family. And we're trying to communicate that vision and the core values to our family members so that they understand the purposes behind the things that we're doing. And that we do have a direction we're trying to head. And we're not doing these things random. Uh, and we're just not just making it up we're trying our hardest and making mistakes. But this is a part of the learning and becoming better at being intentional. But it's not because we just want to be hard, or we just want to be difficult. It's more of a, we have a goal in mind, and we want to achieve it.
0: Well, and before we dive further, then, I'd love to hear more about the mission statements and core values. But first, what are some of those resources that you found really helpful, or even books that you're reading right now?
1: Okay, so one of my favorite books to tell people about is a book called Parenting the QBQ Way. I cannot think of the author's name. He wrote this book using a lot of business principles, but it's basically the question behind the question. Were you teaching your children how to be way more accountable for their actions? And it's just a beautiful book, but it's a doable read. So I highly recommend that book. And then there's typical business books. Like if you went to like the Harvard Business School top 100 books that they recommend, which is one of those things that I'll do. And I'll just look through the list for books that catch my eye. All I'm just going to encourage is when you're reading those books and they mention team, insert the word family. When they mention manager, insert the word parent. And just look for ways that your perspective begins to shift as you're reading this management book, now there are going to be things that don't align. You know, in business, it's all about profit. They use profit as a marker for success. And of course, in our families, we're not looking at numbers and sales and profit as the markers for how are we doing. We're looking more at what the marketplace would call soft skills. We're looking at the relationships, the connections, the understanding the commitment, the depth of resilience within our families um, these are things that we would be able to check in on and you could create your own markers for that connection you could just say how often have we had dinner together this week? Uh, we only had them one time this week when our goal is three times a week or our goal is seven times a week and we only did it twice. okay then we can see that we're lacking in connection here and here is a measurable way for us to gauge how we're doing.
0: Those are great resources and we'll definitely link to those in our show notes. But going back to what you had mentioned earlier, that businesses often come up with mission statements and core values, but you said families are more reluctant. So how can we come up with one for our family?
1: You know, I have found that so many women are excited about this idea because I frame core values as a way to simplify the conversation you're having with your children. You see, I grew up in a household where we we had a lot of house rules. Like We don't run in the house. We don't bounce ball in the house. We don't slam doors. We don't answer the door. Friends can't come over when mom's not home, like all these rules. <laughs> and uh, so I started out initially having a lot of house rules here because that's all I knew. Once I was introduced to the concept of having core values, I found that core values was a simple way for me to communicate the same thing. In the midst of that, it, I found that it, it didn't feel like the rules were so random. So one of the things I experienced is my parents would do things according 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 to how old you are. When you're 12, you can watch this movie or you can stay up till this hour. But then they would say, well, yeah, Susan, I know that we said that you could go play at your friend's house overnight. But because you're a girl, you can't do that. But your brother, he could do it when he was 12. But you, you have to be 14 or whatever. And I just felt like, this is so random. Like, what are my parents doing? What is happening? But I found that core values are a way for me to communicate with our household, for my husband and I, to align our mission and align our focus such that Now we're asking ourselves, are we making decisions according to our core values? So when we're determining how we want to spend our money or what friends we're going to make or how we're going to spend time with our friends or how we're going to show hospitality, how we're going to spend our time, what movie we're going to watch. We use our core values as a guidance system for us to determine that. And what I encourage families to do. In my book, The Intentional Parent, I have a list of over 90 core values for them to choose from. And I ask families to choose three core values and to commit to those core values for at least 12 months. At the end of those 12 months, reassess and determine, are these core values working for us? Do we like these? Do we feel like this is really helping us? go in the direction we want to go. Are we feeling more intentional and on purpose with these? Or are they not really connecting with us in the way we need to, to really pull us forward and inspire us to greatness for us? Our core values are three, our love, faith, and respect. And when we find that we are operating within those core values, our family is more connected to purpose. But when we are off, It's usually because we're not living true to one of those core values in the direction and the decisions that we're making. And it's an easy way for us to check back in and see how can we change up what we're doing to be more in line with our core values. And then we're all headed back in the right direction.
0: Do you have a current family mission statement? We don't have a mission statement
1: per se in the way that I've seen it done in corporate structure, but I will say that there is a scripture that my husband and I refer to often when we're looking at how we want to guide our family. And that is a scripture found in Luke 2, and it talks about Jesus and his growth. It says, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. And we use that as a baseline and a check-in for us. Are we equipping our children to grow in wisdom and stature? Are their physical needs being met from the healthy foods we're giving them to the exercise they need to whatever special needs each one of them might have? Like even today, I feel like there's one of my kids I've identified. I need to take her for an eye exam and see if there's something going on with her eyes so that we can support her to have that. Need met. And then, in favor with God and men, are they operating in ways where God is able to bless them because they are in line with what He's expecting and asking for us as followers of Him? And likewise, are our children learning how to have healthy, vibrant, thriving relationships with others? We feel like if that is what Jesus was doing as He was growing, then we are definitely supplying our kids with the best if we can meet that standard.
0: I've never heard that scripture broken down that way before. And I love it. I want to apply that to our own family situation. So thanks for sharing. Absolutely. As you just reflect on the many seasons, because you've been a parent now for over two decades, what are you so glad that you did when your kids were young that now you're getting to see the benefits of when they're grown and even out of the house?
1: So, one of the tools that I use, once again, it mirrors what they do in the corporate structure. Usually in business settings, you'll have an annual, what they call one-on-one, and it's where your direct report or your direct manager has a meeting with you, and basically they give you feedback on how you're doing on the job versus how you think you're doing, right? You think I'm doing great. Like I'm turning in reports and I'm being a part of the team and I'm up on my sales and all the things. And your your manager or supervisor will be able to say, hey, here's where we can see opportunities for improvement. And here's where we think you're doing well. Well, I have taken that same thing and created a tool that I've done with my children now for the past 14 years. I believe I started when my son was eight and we have an annual one-on-one and it's my time for my children to give me feedback on how they feel like our relationship is going versus how I think it's going. And that tool has given my children voice to um, share their thoughts and opinions. And I commit to them that I am in a position to listen and to take notes. And I mean, I literally take notes like I'm a secretary of what they say. And I have created a book since my son was eight of our annual one-on-ones with him and his sisters where I get to go back and look at their answers. And I can see areas where we struggled in our relationship, where I was doing things that I wasn't aware of that upset them or frustrated them. And I was able to make adjustments. And because that foundation was laid, as we went through those teen years where everybody kept promising us it was going to be just mayhem and foolishness, I felt like we had a tool that tethered us together so that our hearts were—they recognized my heart was for them, even if we felt some friction, even if we had some disagreements, even if they were tempted to go outside of what they knew to be right and make good decisions— we had a tool that tethered us together and it's one that I'm so excited to share with other people. And in fact, I even share, it's called the 10 questions to ask your kids every year. It's a part of a card set that I have available on my website and they are welcome to go to my website, to the shop page and purchase those intentional parent card set. And that is just one of the cards in that card set that they would get. That 10 questions is in there. But I also discussed this on my podcast, some of the questions that people ask after about doing that and some of the context that's super important to lay in doing those 10 questions. If they want to check those the resources out, and if that's something that another mom that's listening feels like could benefit her and her household. But I'm telling you, if I could give back so many things that I've learned and so many resources that have come across my path along the way, if I could give them all back and keep one, I believe those 10 questions would be the one that I would choose to hold on to.
0: Wow, that's incredible and such a creative idea to even take it a step further and make a book out of all the Learnings you have from that meeting. And we'll certainly link to those cards in the show notes as well. So, if you could go back to yourself as a new mom over 20 years ago, what would you encourage yourself to do differently or focus more on or even let go of? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah,
1: that's a tough one for me to answer because I think my perspective where I am right now is an appreciation for the wins that I had, the successes and the things I want to celebrate and an appreciation for the lessons. I don't do wins and losses. I do wins and lessons and there's just so many lessons that I learned in the midst of me making mistakes that to go back and change it would alter. And I could probably miss some of those lessons. But if anything, I would say how important it was for me to have an appreciation for who I was instead of a constant focus and criticism of who I was not. Uh, I was really good at seeing greatness in other people and thinking, oh, she's so patient. She's so kind. She's so great at cooking. Her house is always beautiful. She dresses beautifully. She works out. Her body looks amazing. All these things. And then I'd look at myself and I'd be like, Girl, your house is a mess. It doesn't even look great. The food you're cooking is basic. It's not that great. Probably not the healthiest thing. Your body's a mess. I would just have a criticism for myself instead of an appreciation for where I was. So if there's anything that I think I could have done better, quicker, and sooner, and faster, and I wish I would have, it would be just to be kind and gracious towards myself. And maybe talk to myself the way that I talk to other people.
0: I love that. And even the first part of your response, I find that to be super encouraging that if we're making mistakes, you said you wouldn't even take all those back because of what you learned from it. Yeah.
1: When I was making those mistakes and I was making them out of love, I was trying the best that I could. It allowed my children to see their mom make mistakes and to have a mom who was willing to admit her mistakes, which freed them up to make mistakes. But if they saw a mom who did everything perfectly and did everything well, and they knew that they couldn't do that, it would create a frustration in them because they would have this natural expectation that they too should be perfect and never make a mistake. So there was this sense of my mistakes freed my people up. When I say my people, that's what I refer to my children and my family. It freed my people up to make mistakes. And it's in those that we have opportunity to learn lessons if we're willing to search for them. If we don't want to just throw our hands up and just think, oh, I've ruined it. We're kind of all or nothing. But instead, we're looking for what can I learn? What can I do better? And what do I know now that I've made that mistake? It frees our kids up to be less critical of themselves and more you know, accepting of the lessons along the way.
0: It's always good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace. Sorry to interrupt, but we just wanted to remind you to give us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. This helps more people discover the Savvy Sauce and ultimately hear the good news of Jesus. Thanks for partnering with us. We truly have the kindest and most helpful listeners. So you've even said on the previous podcast that you have experienced that sandwich part of life where you are both caring for your children in your own home and then caring for your aging parents at the same time. So how are you coping and how would you encourage others to walk this well while avoiding burnout? Mm -hmm. My parents live
1: across the street from us and um, they're in their 70s and retired and overall doing well today. Late last year, my father had some serious health challenges where he was in health crises multiple times. We're grateful that they've been able to figure out his medication and he's much more stable and good. And I'm grateful for that. But what I found the need for when we were in the heat of that moment, was how important it was for me to develop healthy boundaries because even people who do the work professionally in the medical field they have certain days when they're on call but none of them are on call 7 days a week 24 hours a day even medical establishments recognize that they cannot have team members that are constantly on call is unhealthy and they will burn out and they'll lose that team member and i had to give myself that permission to create healthy boundaries around the phone calls and the panicked calls with my family because it was creating so much anxiety within me that if my phone rang, I was jumping and my heart was racing and I was feeling this sense of panic, especially if my mom's name came up on the screen when really sometimes she was just calling to ask a quick question. I recognized this is not sustainable here. This won't work. So healthy boundaries became important. Giving myself a break, meaning like physically leaving, going for a walk, or getting in the car and going and meeting up with a friend, getting away from the normalcy of the everyday. All of those things become important ways in which I cope. All right, now I'm also a big Netflix fan. I love to watch international and foreign dramas well, you got to read the screen, you know, because it's in another language like that is me. I like hang out on that. Those are like my treats to myself, my late night binge watching. It's just one of those ways that I decompress. It's something that brings delight to me. And really no one else, which is all the more fun (laughs) because so much other things in my life, everybody else seems to enjoy. At least someone else in the family enjoys it too. But this one is like my thing. So from those little things like Netflix binge watching all the way to, you know, just getting away, being with a friend or just maintaining healthy boundaries and giving myself permission to take the breaks when I need to. All of those are how I cope when I'm in between these two family groups. Just really have a lot of needs, and just honoring that also baseline, I can possibly meet all their needs anyway. Like, I just don't even have the capacity to do that. No matter if I have the heart to do it, I don't have the capacity to do it. So, I have to continually ask the Lord, What is it that He wants me to do, and be willing to trust Him with all the things that I can see that need to be done, but I don't have the grace to do them.
0: That makes sense, and If somebody is listening right now and they're in that season as well and they just need some examples, what are some of those healthy boundaries that you established?
1: At our house, we have, you know, like the punch code entry into the front door versus a key. So my parents don't have the code, so they don't have a way to just come in our house. Likewise, when I go to their house, I knock and then I enter, but I kind of wait in the front room and it's more of an honoring of their space and it's a way for them to honor ours instead of just walking in and just kind of being up in the house and we're like ah like hello mom wait a minute we weren't ready for this hold on so we do things from that i like for my mom and i to arrange time for us to be together it's a way for me to communicate that I want to spend time with you and so much so that I want to set aside time for that versus she coming over because she sees my car in the driveway. And then she's like, well, since you're home, let's go to the store or let's sit down and talk. And I have plans and things that I needed to get done. It's a way for us to honor one another's time and schedule. So we'll create time and commit to time to be together together. And then likewise, with the phone calls, when my mom calls now, one of the ways that I manage that is I do a check in to say, is this a good time for me to even answer this call? Like, If she was to have a big need, would I be able to meet this? Because if I'm not fully available, the best thing I could do is not answer that phone call so that she will call someone who can assist her instead of me answering it. Just to be in this like, oh, mom, I can't do this right now. So really honoring, am I available? And letting my answer of a call truly reflect I'm available versus just because the phone rang, I need to answer it.
0: Those are some really creative boundaries. And hopefully that's helpful for somebody to get their own ideas going. And you had mentioned earlier scripture that was really important to you for parenting just as you reflect on all of your seasons, is there any other specific scripture that you've been able to cling to the most?
1: Yes, the one in Proverbs is one that I also say often, and that's, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Or in some versions, it says that he will make your path straight that scripture really speaks to me when I'm facing those parenting challenges where I just don't know what I should do. I don't know. Should I be more engaged or do I need to pull back? Should I march in there and and have a consequence or is this a time for natural consequences? Is this a time for me to lecture them or is this a time for me to hug them? Like I can't always tell like what's the place? How do I approach this? What do I need to do? And so, when I recognize that ultimately my work is in my relationship with the Lord and trusting Him in this, then I feel like I'm more at peace with the day to day decisions and the things that I do because it's all under this covering of His grace and His mercy in the way that He'll lead us and direct us and correct us because He's corrected me in many ways and many times. I definitely share those a couple of those incidences um, in our former conversation. But when I'm reminded that it's not all up to me, it frees me up to enjoy the day to day.
0: I think that's so well said. And again, this time I've just treasured every moment that I've had with you. So if listeners want to learn more from you, where can they find you online?
1: Yes. So I would love to connect with you at SusanC.com. That's Susan, S-E-A-Y.com. And if you will scroll down that front page of the website, there's a place for you to put your name and your email address. And what I'd love to send you is a free PDF self-evaluation of the 12 things intentional moms do differently. You can read those 12, that list of 12, and then evaluate yourself and maybe choose a couple of those for places where you want to be more intentional with your own family.
0: That's great. We will link to all of that in our show notes. And Susan, you probably remember from last time, but we are called the Savvy Sauce because Mm -hmm. savvy is synonymous with practical knowledge or discernment. And so my final question for you, Susan, what is your savvy sauce?
1: Such a fun question. So I would say one of the ways in which I have been creative around, I just call it moving that body. I don't even call it exercise because that feels like there's a lot of expectation for keeping up a routine and all these things. So I just call it moving the body. Have I moved my body today? One of the practical ways that I do that is when I take phone calls now, I will put my shoes on and I will go for a walk. So being on the phone is equated with walking for me. And it like triggers me to get outside, get some vitamin D, and to move around. Of course, during the winter months, that kind of went fell by the wayside because it just wasn't delightful to be out there in the wet and the cold and the wind. But moving into more beautiful weather, I look forward to revisiting that tool that I used to use because it helped me to Move it helped me to actually think better when I was on the phone, and so many ways it inspired the people I was on the phone with to go walking too. So we would say we're walking together while we have this phone call, catching up or uh, haggling out any uh, details that we need to discuss.
0: I love it, great savvy sauce, and again, thank you so much for your time and just really. You lived up to the vision of this podcast, just sharing practical chats for intentional living. So thanks for your time today.
1: I've loved it. Thanks so much.
0: One more thing before you go. Have you heard the term gospel before? It simply means good news, and I want to share the best news with you. But it starts with the bad news. Every single one of us were born sinners, and God is perfect and holy, so he cannot be in the presence of sin. This gives us hope of life forever in right relationship with him. That is good news. Jesus lived the perfect life we could never live and died in our place for our sin. This was God's plan to make a way to reconcile with us so that God can look at us and see Jesus. We can be covered and justified through the work Jesus finished if we choose to receive what he has done for us.